Guys, you like that? You like that? A little little fade in, in the, the fade there. Yeah, because uh, what some somebody that uh, uh, complained about that. So no, we, yeah, it's like someone it. uh, someone issued. It. You know, they were bitching, aka having a valid complaint, having a very valid um, opinion about this. It's so, so true for you. Uh, it's so true. <laughs> uh, welcome, episode eleven. Um, I don't know what the title's going to be. I have depressive energy right now because what the <laughs> fuck happened this week? Like, like nothing. We're but um, I'm Ed Hand, host of, of this show, host of another show, social media person for another show, um, person with beard. I guess that's that's what <laughs> I am really. That, that's that all I am to you. Person with voice vaguely sounding like they were always having an allergenic attack. I, I don't know. Uh, I'm joined by uh, my friend, ally, um, the per person I fear, I think genuinely. Uh, Hogdale, how are uh, how are you doing today, buddy? I'm doing fantastic. I mean, not going to lie, pretty depressive day of football, watching football today. Because it's like, my, I got the opposite Super Bowl matchup I wanted. But you know what? Other than that, good day. I hung out with the family. Good day. <laughs> I, I like when you're happy, Hogville. That makes me happy. So I wish you know. I think we're all a little bummed out. Except, Brady, but we, I'm also joined by Brady, and I uh, I want to know, Brady, who are you rooting for in these football games? Uh, <laughs> I picked. You have a stake in this. I did. I had an emotional stake, and I don't know why. But I, both of the teams I wanted to win, did, neither won. So it's like being a Red Sox fan for a while, all over again. Um, yeah, I, it was pretty depressing. But I watched. Yeah, like, it was fun. Did anybody other than like hardcore Swifties really want Kansas City to win? I, I no, so, not, not a single yeah. person on planet Earth. You know, no. it's it really is. I'm not a big fan of getting like the New England Patriots experience, but on the receiving end of it instead of being on the giving end of it. Like just the Chiefs just dominating every year. It's like no doubt they're going to be in the conference championship. More likely than not, they're going to be in the Super Bowl. It's like fuck me, right? Man. It, Right, it's like this is Should why everybody hated the Patriots all these years. This is why. <laughs> mm -hmm. And like, um, not like a rocking place like Kansas City, too. You know what I mean? I mean, that's the heartland. That's the heartland of America. Okay, that's the real America. According is that to today's Chevrolet networks. I think that's the heartbeat of America. That's today's Chevrolet. So, or is that their? Was that their bread? Is that the bread basket? I. Fryhoffers. Yeah, I think is I'm that, mixing up my metaphors. Gluten free is the way to be. So that's yeah, yeah. But we've got uh, we've we've got a guest uh, who's going to be joining us in a couple of minutes. A former castmate of ours, uh, Mr. Jake T. O'Donnell. So when he comes in, uh, we'll we'll have him, we'll have him hopefully add some 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 excitement because this this was a week where nothing happened. If you're a Red Sox fan, literally, like we're recording today, but it's only because we set this asinine schedule that we have to do it once a week. Like if this was just 
if we were doing this based on subject matter, like what could we, what we hey, this is what happened this week. Like we would be talking about like, do you, do you guys really want to talk about Ryan Stanek rumors? You guys excited about Ryan Stanek? <laughs> he can't even spell his name correctly. No, I don't, I can't take him very seriously. You could talk about uh, Liverpool's manager, like saying, I can't deal with this Fenway sports group and just stepping away. Like, is this a new Did that trend? actually happen? Is that Talk like the equivalent of Craig Breslow, like rage quitting? Uh, actually, no, because uh, he's one of the best managers in all of soccer. So actually, it would be more like, uh, what, would, what would be the equivalent right now in baseball? Is Cora rage quitting? Cora? It'd be more like Cora rage quitting, honestly. Yeah. Except actually, it would be like Cora and Dombrowski at the same time rage quitting because the manager in soccer makes all the personnel decisions too. Wow, that's a lot of pa- so it's like the, so in soccer that's where like it's like the Bill Bel- Bill Belichick treatment, yes, right? Basically, where they get to do everything. That sounds that sounds more fun, honestly. I feel like being a baseball GM or baseball manager kind of sucks because you don't really you can provide the personnel, but you can't tell them how to use it. Like that's up to the manager. Whereas the manager gets to make whatever they want to out of like the ingredients provided by the GM, but they don't really get to pick them out. That kind of seems like a raw deal. Like I want to go to the supermarket and pick out my own ingredients before I before I cook. I don't want to. I don't want to try to make a souffle with this hamburger. You know. Yeah. Congratulations! You literally just like recreated Bill Parcells' plead against uh, Patriots ownership in like <laughs> 1998. <laughs> That's like his exact rant. You've <laughs> got our boy America's dad. Let's be there. Brady is America's zaddy. Then Jake is America's dad. <laughs> How are you doing, Jake? It's, uh, I feel like we haven't had a podcast together since um, since we had we had our mass exodus from Pesky Report. Mm, yeah, it's been a while. It's it's uh it's good to see you guys. It's good to see all you guys as always. Um, it's a pleasure to be on with uh, three such fine, upstanding gentlemen uh, as yourselves. And uh, and uh, yeah, thanks for thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's been it has been a while. How's how's everyone doing? How's Hogdale? How's Brady? I talk to I talk to Ed. I talk to you all the time. I yeah, we talk. We yeah. we talk enough, but like, I, like I, I don't I, talk. I don't feel like I talk to these other gentlemen too often. What's, I'm what's fantastic personally. Happy Great. that you're here. Very happy to I'm have you on, dude. Thrilled to be here. What's up, good to see you, man. Everything's good. Good to see you here, dude. Yeah, man. All right. Yeah, we we were just talking about how nothing's really happening uh, with the Red Sox <laughs> right now. Like, no. like I, I I ask them Less if they want to talk about Ryan Stanek. Do you want to talk about Ryan Stanek? No, no. I mean, <laughs> I've been. I've been on this like uh, sabbatical from Red Sox offseason Twitter discourse. Like, I just don't have any. I'm happy to come on and have like an actual conversation with humans about this stuff, but like the online like bickering and and yeah, it's we're just talking in circles until something actually happens. So I just don't have. I don't really have any interest in having the same conversation online on, online over and over again. Um, but you know, yeah, okay, fine. If they actually signed Ryan Stanek, I'd be happy to. I'd be happy to talk about it. But until then, it's like, no, no like that's, I'm, I'm good on that one. It's, it's literally at the point where it's like, oh no, another Garrett Cooper r- rumor has hit the fandom. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right. the most recent thing. Is like, well, they're they're still talking to Duvall, but if Duvall doesn't sign, maybe they'll pivot to Garrett Cooper. Like, which. 
and honestly, every time these right-handed bats come up, it's like, okay, cool. Like, I'm sure that guy would hit. It's Fenway. He'll hit 20 homers or whatever with full playing time and be fine. I don't really care until they get pitching. Like, and it's not even that they You're don't have pitching. Exactly they don't right. have frontline starters. They still don't. Mm-hmm. Like, we're we're almost in February now, and Jordan Montgomery is still a free agent. Blake Snell is still a free agent. My favorite and- thing is the national reporters like. Yeah, Jordan Montgomery is still available. The Red Sox are literally the most perfect pit, pick fit in the history of you know known humanity, and they have no interest. Everyone point and laugh at them, and I agree. Thank you, national reporters. Everyone should point and laugh at them. I so I agree with that too, but I also think that that's clearly the national reporters are doing Scott Boris's bidding. Like, oh, I mean, absolutely. Like, that is just like that's a that's it's a symbiotic relationship that the reporters have with the agents, where the reporters. Um, will talk to the agents and the, the agents will be like, so what have you heard about stuff? And the reporters will give them dirt. And then the, and then the, the agents will give the reporters dirt back. So it's, it's, I think that um, it's, was very interesting to see that happen with multiple writers saying that um, about Montgomery specifically. And it's just, it's, it's a coordinated effort a hundred percent that it's like you, you're not, um, uh, it, that doesn't have like nothing that's in any of these notes columns ever happens by accident or stuff that guys report on Twitter or whatever is ever happens by accident. It's all there's there's uh, somebody is somebody stands to benefit from that stuff coming out. And clearly, I think that uh, on the case of in the case of Montgomery, the whatever is the actual standing offer or whatever that maybe the Rangers have with Montgomery is just like not either. It's not even close to what Boris wants. Or um, the, there hasn't been like even like a materialized offer necessarily. And he's just and the Red Sox seem like the only other option that is like realistic, and they're trying to get them in on it. I I wanted to posit this thing on Montgomery though. Like, are we underrating the idea that maybe, maybe the Red Sox just don't, don't think he's a good fit? I don't know what's happening. I don't know what's I don't know what's happening <laughs> back there. Sorry, is somebody, is somebody building Bruce, Ikea, Brady, is someone building IKEA furniture in the background? Like what's happening? <sighs> Make sure you no. use the right size Allen wrench. Like I don't sort of like a fucking wacky morning show. You just keep like increasing like increasingly larger volume, like background noises happening. I think I think it was actually the sound of the Red Sox offseason plans literally falling apart. <laughs> So, so metaphor. So my so going back to what so going back to what my question was is like, are we underrating the idea? Is it just the Red Sox are they like want him or like the front office wants Jordan Montgomery, but like the ownership is too cheap to shell out the money? Or do we think that there's at least a chance that Jordan Montgomery as a pitcher is just not the cup of tea of this new Red Sox front office? Like do we think that's because because what is some what's something that Jordan Montgomery doesn't really do compared to other pitchers or other like ace top of the rotation level starting pitchers? He doesn't really uh-huh. strike guys out at a super high rate. So and we know I think that that's like a big emphasis of this front office is that they want guys that can miss bats. So I think that there's a chance that they look at what Boris wants. And, and there's been this thing out there that like Boris, his pie in the sky, the, the number that he started at is he wants the Aaron Nola contract for Montgomery. So it was like, what, seven, one seventy. And who knows if like, that's obviously that's not going to happen. Like there's like no one. I don't think anyone's going to give him that. But even, you know, the Rodon contract, the six, one sixty or like even five years, something like that. The Red Sox look at that and they just say, 
this is a guy that, that that is is just getting by on you know trying to elicit weak contact and and um, the defense behind him having to play well. And they look at that guy and they say, okay, like yeah, we can get innings out of this guy, but his age 31, 32, 33, 34 season, like like I don't know. So we should just give him the money because he's the best guy. Like I'm just I I, I just I'd like to know what the rationale is because because I'm starting to think that they just don't. They just don't want him. I don't know. It's, it's either that or like I've seen people theorize that like this is 4D chess from Breslow in the front office. Just put every indication they're not going to spend because they know they're the only real bidder for Montgomery and they're refusing to bid against themselves. And I've seen people draw comparisons to like uh, them signing J.D. Martinez years ago where they everyone knew the Red Sox were the only serious bidder. And they refused to meet Boris's number, so the process just dragged out for an eternity until eventually a reasonable number was reached. That's what I'm coping myself into believing right now. That's how I go to bed every night. That's, that's what puts <laughs> yes. me to sleep. Yeah. That's you smoking the copium. Yes. A little bit, a little bit. Yeah. It, it, no, it is interesting because he isn't a big strikeout guy, but he's also somebody that's been able to prove that he can throw innings, which they need. They like not. If you have a in a five man rotation, you don't necessarily need everybody to be a strikeout artist. I I think that at some point you just need to get those innings in there. Um, I I do wonder though if there re- is any serious interest. Like what what does the market for him look like? Is, is this just Boris trying to nag everybody into into paying yeah. him Rodone money or so? Just, like who else? So who else do we think could realistic like? Like I think that it's possible the Angels. It's possible. Like I, I saw heard Robert Murray on a live stream being like, "What the Angels do is oh is solely based on like how like Artie Moreno feels when he wakes up in the morning." It's like so like Robert Murray said that. Like he was like, "Yeah, like so Artie Moreno could be like, yeah, we're gonna spend on on Jordan Montgomery today, and they're gonna and they could get it, and that's that's just how he operates." So I wouldn't I wouldn't um, rule that out. Um, we mentioned the Rangers, obviously, um, seems like the Yankees are unlikely. Seems like the Mets are unlikely. Seems like the Giants are unlikely after the moves they've made. Um, I don't know, man. It's hard. It's hard. It's hard to say. Um, uh, I, I, I think that it's, it, Hogdale, you, you brought up a really good point about the JD Martinez situation. The only thing that, the only reason why I'm having a hard time with that is either because like, because we knew kind of like all along and it could have just been a factor of the way the front office operated at the time. Like, I think we pretty much knew like this is like for months, there was like a standing offer. It was like yeah. five and one ten or whatever it was. Right. And it was like, that's the offer. Like that was out there for months and the Red Sox never budged from it. And finally in February after spring training, had already started. Boris was like, all right, fine. And, and, and he signed that. We haven't heard anything like that with Montgomery. Like, we don't know if the Red Sox have even made any kind of an offer at all. So that's the one thing. The the one thing that I'm I'm not really sure about the 4D chess um, idea. It's possible, and I, that is makes sense from a copium standpoint that that could be the situation. But it also could just be like we just don't know the details because the front office is acts is is acting a little bit differently. Um, I don't know, but I, I I wish that I I wish I knew more that there was more of like a concrete offer out there that they were like, yes, we are actually like we want to sign this guy. Instead, we've gotten just this like tangential like, well, you know, they probably called, they talked to Boris and whatever, and it's not hasn't really gone anywhere. That's all we really know. Yeah, and we we 
I mean, this this front office has been even quieter. I feel like than the than when Bloom was uh, was running things. Like they're really. We heard like, oh, do it's yeah. between the Angels and the Red Sox for Duval like two weeks ago, and th- that's still ongoing. Things happen there, yeah. Yeah, it's fascinating to see that to see the the that there's even less that comes out of this front office than than the previous one, and I felt like Bloom ran, ran an incredibly tight ship. Yeah, it's um, it's it's led to a pretty uneventful offseason, I think for for us. We've had a couple of of moves that sort of came out of nowhere, like the sale trade. Mm-hmm. And what did you think of that, by the way, just from uh, from your perspective with that? What did you think of sale? The sale trade. It was, um, I think that it was like the perfect example of, I think the level of creativity that hopefully we can see from the Breslau front office, like when he's, you know, when they're actually able to accomplish stuff, like it came out of nowhere. It shows again, like very tight ship that they they're running there. Um, no indication whatsoever that like there was anything close on sale. Also like no indication whatsoever that, that sale was going to be, that you were able to, you were going to be able to get a, a player at the level of Avon Grissom in exchange for sale. Cause it was always one of those things of like, you're never going to, you know, you can never get anything for Chris sale in his contract. I think we, we finally, and clearly there's been a lot of reporting that there were pot, there were offers on the table involving Chris sale over the course of not just last season, but the year before that um, the Rangers were a team that was interested. Like there was a deal, whatever, and they, they couldn't agree on prospects. Like I, that was that was that whole thing. I think we finally got to the point where it's like, okay, there's only one guaranteed year on the contract, so it's probably going to be easier to actually move move him. And I think that it was a great it was a great trade in the sense of you were able to get something for like a, your sort of sunk cost asset and sale. You had to pay basically. You basically you paid you paid seventeen million dollars to buy a team's really good prospect that you can plug in to a hole on your team immediately. And I think that that's like, um, and you, and you're done and you don't, you, you pay that money next year and it's out and then you're paying Grissom minimum for another two years after that. So it's like, basically, yeah, you, um, it was a very, either it was a very shrewd trade, a smart move, fills a team, fills a need on the team, you're not having to go out and overspend possibly for some sort of veteran that for a stopgap that you don't really know if they're going to do anything or not. Um, and I liked, I like what Grissom brings to the table. I like that he is a contact hitter. Um, I think there's untapped power potential with him and I'm just excited to see what he can do in an everyday role, which was just an opportunity he didn't have it in Atlanta. So I was, yeah. I was uh, sad to see Chris sale go. Obviously I wish it had all worked out differently. Um, and it's just very fascinating that the the Braves turned right around and gave him an extension, which is I can even imagine what what the what the reaction would have been here if the Red Sox had just given Sale that same extension. <laughs> like people would just be like losing their minds, especially if it didn't come. Especially if they did that and they didn't sign Lucas Giolito, like that. Would, oh my God! God. Like, it would be, it would, <laughs> like there would be no Red Sox Twitter. It would be burned out. It By the way, justifiably gone. so. That would oh, be half the nine decision. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mentioned this on a different show, which was just like, as a Celtics fan, I I liken it to Robert Williams, where it was like, he was just like, so, kind of got to be so unreliable, like, you love his talent, you love what he can do, but like, availability is the best ability, and if you can, somebody else is interested in him, and you can get something back that's helpful to you, then, the, then it was the right move to do. So it was, it was tough to see Sale 
go uh, just in that sense. Cause the guy was like 2017. He was like out of his mind, like one of the best, probably like one of the two or three best, like post Pedro Red Sox pitching seasons. Yeah. Like Easily, him and Lester you know? basically. No. Yeah. yeah he, like- the only, the only reason why, and it's just funny to think about the fact that he lost the Cy Young that year to Corey Kluber. Um, <laughs> But Kluber was Kluber was better than him that year. Like that's how good Corey Kluber was in his prime. Um, Kluber just pitched yeah, a lot just more innings. Here. Was, yeah, <laughs> Kluber was much better. Was like just pitched a lot more, pushed more innings. That was ultimately the reason why he won that year. And then the next year, Sale was pretty much just as good. But then that was like as that year continued, he started to break down, and he was just never couldn't. It was just so snake bitten and. I don't know. It's a bummer. I, I I think that all of the memories, hopefully in, in 10, 15, 20 years, hopefully the memory of Chris sale will permanently be of him striking out Machado to end the world series. And like all the other stuff is going to be kind of like secondary and he'll come back to Fenway and they'll celebrate the 2018 team. And um, that's going to be, fun. you know, that's going to be good. So I, listen, I love that guy. Great, great competitor, great personality. Um, and then, oh, well, just one last thing that always sticks out to me with Chris Sale was was in that World Series when he's yelling at everybody in the dugout about Rich Hill, like he's throwing two fucking pitches, guys, two fucking pitches, like don't get it, gotta do better than this. And everything turned and it turned around after that. Like, not a lot of pitchers would have like the gravitas to be like that in the dugout because I don't because Ed, you know this, like, and I think in these clubhouses it's it's stratified. Like the pitchers hang out with the pitchers and yeah. the hitters hang out with the hitters. And there's not a lot of like the pitchers, the pitchers are their own clique and they have their own leaders and whatever. And the hitters have their own clique and their own leaders. And I feel like Chris Sale was like had that gravitas to be able to be like, guys, what the fuck? He's got two fucking pitches. Like, you've got to do better than this. And they listen to him. So. Dude, that's me to my screen anytime the Red Sox are uh, hitting against Kevin Gossman. Literally every time. Motherfucker, he's got two pitches. If it's not the splitter, it's his fastball, guy. What the fuck? <laughs> this is bullshit. That the what you said about like about a, like remembering 2018 though is like listen, Jacoby Ellsbury now routinely shows up to like to like franchise events yeah. now. And like if you'd have told me that like five to ten years ago, like I would have said no shot. So I mean People will forget the the after twenty eighteen part of Chris Sale. Like, well, it'll all melt away from our brains. Agreed. It was nice to see him in twenty one get a little bit of uh, of action in the playoffs. You know, some some good good uh, what could have been vibes. So, yeah, that was. I mean, when he strikes, he struck yeah, out Kyle sorry, Tucker. I think it was lagging like crazy right now. When he when he struck out Kyle Tucker, I think it was game in game five. Um, that was, or maybe it was game four. I can't remember, but uh, that was amazing. That was an amazing moment. Um, the, he r- runs off the mound screaming and the crowd's going nuts. Like, yeah, that was cool. God, gonna miss him. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna miss Chris. Meanwhile, Ed is dying. <laughs> yeah, I, I Ed, do blink, wonder. Blink twice if you can hear us. <laughs> yeah, there we go. There yeah, we go. lost Ed. All right. I, I do wonder, you know, it does feel like the J.D. Martinez thing, you know, going back to Montgomery. To me, it, it feels like they said an, a line in the sand. But this time, if there wasn't J.D., they could have probably gone somewhere else in another direction. I don't know what other direction you're really going to go in, you know? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. They, I, no, go ahead, dude. Sorry. Oh, no, it's fine. I I think that the um, – yeah, because because then if it's not him, I think we all kind of agree that – or maybe we don't all agree. I don't know. Like, I think Snell is like fool's gold. Like, I'm just not, I'm not into it. I don't, yeah. especially costing a draft pick. And like, I just don't, I think like, I don't think he is a good fit to pitch in Boston. And 
Like you were, it's like David, it's going to be David price 2.0. Like, honestly, I, I hate to say it, but, um, and then after that, it's just, it's like one year stopgap guys. It's Mike Clevenger. It's Hinjin Ryu. It's, it's, you know, uh, it's, it's, and these are guys that can help you for a year, but like the, the last thing the Red Sox need is another pitcher on a one-year contract that you're not going to be because like they have they, they already have giolito who can be a free agent and they have pavetta who can be a free agent and most of the rest of your rotation are just guys who are who are maybe big league starters or not other than other than like bayo right um yeah so throw just like if you have Montgomery, like that is regardless of what you think about like to production wise the idea the the thing with montgomery is I do think that that you could at least say, okay, for the next three or four years, that's a guy that we are expecting. We're going to get 180, 190, maybe if we're lucky, 200 innings out of that guy. And we just like pencil him in and the performance, like even if he's like a, even if he performs like a, a number three, Great. you still just, you still have that, you still have that, that um, you still have that like uh, locked in, that anchor and that rotation is locked in. So um, I think that that's, there's a lot of value in that just in and of itself. But I also just, um, I think that the Red Sox probably, the, the problem is, is that let, let's forget about like the budget, that, like the, the budget limitation for a second. They probably think to themselves what Boris wants for Montgomery is a lot more than what they're willing to, like, like they were willing to pay Lucas Giolito to kind of be that guy this coming year because even it's the same situation with him where it's like okay we don't know how he's going to perform but at least we can feel pretty confident he's averaged like 175 innings the last three years like we're we're set there like he's not going to get hurt most likely um but like montgomery wanting you know this rodon contract or this or this nola contract or whatever the the performance is the expected performance is not probably going to live up to what that that number is so um, if they can get closer to to that making sense then maybe it does actually happen i just i'm not getting my hopes up because of that budget stuff am i insane to say like listen like if jordan montgomery like say he like pitched like a 3.8 era last year and he threw 180 innings pitched on last year's red Sox, does that red Sox team make the playoffs Mm, i I believe so (laughs) they were still but the red Sox were still like how many? What did they finish? Like eight games out of the the, the third. Because the, third because or... remember at the end of the year the bullpen completely prolapsed because the, they were so right. burnt out. Right, <laughs> right. Yeah. All those innings logging in, you, you don't know the domino effect. I mean, that would have been everything to them last year. Maybe maybe they hang around. Maybe they don't. Yeah, I think like, that's a fair question. I think that's a fair question to ask. It takes the pressure off the other starters too. You don't have right. to depend on Sale to be a number one mm-hmm. as much when you have somebody that can actually eat the innings. It's it, it's it's a good question, and it's something that the Red Sox have really been missing for a bit. Even like I don't even really consider Evaldi to be that much of a workhorse, just because the of the injury frequency no, there. No. He's not somebody that you can rely on for thirty starts a year. Erod was probably the last true guy like that that they had, and it's been uh, I was twenty twenty one was his last year. So yeah, it's funny you like, yeah, it's funny you mention Erod because I feel like I saw somebody today post like the the. B ref like comparison of Erod and and Montgomery and that's pretty close. Uh, Montgomery's pitched less; they're roughly the same age. I actually think Montgomery's like four months older than Erod, and then so Erod got four and eighty. So my guess is that that's probably where 
maybe that's where the Red Sox are thinking is, is more realistic. Is like, okay, something like in that area. Um, yeah. You know, Montgomery pitched more innings last year. I think Erod pitched like 155, and he and Montgomery had almost 190. Not even counting the playoffs, he was well over 200 if you throw in the playoffs. Um, I think. Well, do that you think people are overrating over- the playoffs for it, and that's why like the price has gone up? Like, yeah. like you made that comparison to Erod. What's the difference between them? Montgomery had that insane playoff run. But is that worth like an extra three years, extra one hundred million? I, I think I, I think so. I think Scott Scott Boris would try to argue that, and I'm sure that he uses he would use every uh, every point in Montgomery's favor to his advantage to try to squeeze out every last dollar. I'm sure that, you, you know what Scott Boris also uses dollar bills as toilet paper, and he needs to keep <laughs> his toilet paper roll fresh. So I get where he's coming from. Yeah. I absolutely get it. Who doesn't like having? Like homeless people hanging out outside your septic system, hoping to hoping to just grab a little bit of well. That's fucking funny. It's very funny to me that you think that that um, Scott Boris has a septic system. That's really funny. <laughs> well, wait, where's the where does the toilet paper go then? Is that, where, does, is, where does all that money going? Is that a do, do people have septic systems in California? I don't I don't know the answer to that. Like oh, it's a, either. I, I would feel like it's I don't know more. What those, uh, those, I think those, it's those weirdos do. I feel like it's more of a current infrastructure. Like they don't need a septic system. But yeah. Well, yeah. The answer to the the uh, the question <laughs> of like is uh, the playoffs worth the boost of money? If you're a team that's planning to be serious and make the playoffs consistently, the answer is absolutely yes. Yeah. But the problem is, is this Red Sox team planning on consistently making the playoffs in the next few years? And that's where the issue is coming in with them on their willingness to spend. If, if Jordan Montgomery became the next Nathan Eovaldi contract where everyone is screaming their head off about how overpaid he is when really the entire time he was fair market value, then you know what? I'll take it. A hundred times out of a hundred, I'll take it. <laughs> That's fair. Do you guys think I, this so is we're going to... Yeah, can I just bring up one thing? I'm just, I'm just curious about yeah, this. Yeah. Like, I'm just curious about... Like, I feel like the Red Sox have like staked their whole like hope of having... Up an actual playoff team this year on Andrew Bailey, like literally, they have, they have decided. <laughs> yeah, we we think that our pitchers are good enough, are talented enough that what they that that instead of Dave Bush, Dave Bush and his pedometer, like like hope hopefully helping you know him get helping them get better like last year and the stuff like basically these guys banging their heads against the wall on on these guys. Like the last few years, we think that having new voices is going to unlock this thing, and that you know that Tanner Houck is going to be is going to be great, and uh, you know Brian Bayo is going to get is going to add velo, and his slider is going to be better, and he can like be be like an ace level guy, and whatever thing they told Lucas Giolito in the meeting that he was like so excited about, like that's all, like that's all, like that's all, like that's all, like all going to work. I just think like. They're like the budget thing is like a is like a is like a crux and it's but it but it's like they think that this like and like Andrew Bailey in particular and the other guys the other people that they've added in Breslow obviously and the new director of pitching Justin Willard like they think that's what's going to take us to set up the playoffs because I think that's what they're thinking and I think that is that is uh, that is a hell of a thing to just hang your hat on that you think that the pitching coach is going to save you. No pressure. 
Yeah, no pressure. Yeah, no pressure. Did anybody else have like Jake, like kind of randomly, like yep. remix freezing there? Okay, I wasn't <laughs> sure if that was just me. <laughs> there was some uh, Max, right. was some Max Headroomness there. Yes, I was just gonna say, yeah, like Max. Head. Looks good on my. Like, you guys were like reacting weird. I'm like, did I say like I did? I did what I said wasn't like that. <laughs> no, you I thought it was just me, and I was like, yeah, I thought I was just having internet issues. My first thought went to like. Oh, shit, I'm crapping out, man. I'm crapping out. Jake's yeah, tripling on it's, me. It's a weird internet. What, was, what were those gummies laced with? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, so oh, we're going to just go through the mailbag a little bit, I ask. Because, okay. again, like, I'm, I'm actually amazed that we've had, like, a half hour of content now. Um, but you know what? Like, uh, we're going to we're gonna stop talking about the past, and we're going to start answering a few uh, a few questions from the mailbox. So, um, also about the this past. is let's go. Yeah, this is this is one. I'm gonna do what we did with this the last time and just direct this at specific people. I think this is gonna be some of these are directed towards Jake, but we'll uh, we'll move them around. I'm gonna start with one from our friend Ballpark Buzz. Uh, Jake, how long do you anticipate Mayor Teal and Anthony spending in Double A? Okay, so um, good question. I think. Um, so the one who I think it's like a pretty obvious answer, like in terms of like who is going to spend the less, the least amount of time in double A. And I just think that Teal will probably be in triple A by, I'm going to say by like July 1st at the latest is my guess. Um, and I think that it's not necessary. So this is something that I've been thinking about. It's not necessarily about like how great he is and that kind of thing. The Red Sox still, I'm pretty sure I'd have to, I could look on Sox prospects right now. I'm pretty sure they still only have two catchers on the 40 man. So like on the 40 man. Yeah, that's accurate. I think I mean, now they have, might have to get added, but, but that's, like, it's yeah, the same thing as accurate. It's the same thing as what happened with Alfaro last year, where it's like, he, if he doesn't make the team, he, you know, I don't think they can just like, they can't, I don't think they can option him to, to Worcester uh, unless he wants to go there. So my thought is that at some point, like maybe later in the season, maybe, like I, I think that there's a there's a high likelihood that Teal plays in the majors in 2024. Like I just think that like maybe by the end of the year, September call up kind of situation. Um, the other guys, Meyer and and Anthony, um, I think that the like to me, I think both of those guys spend the entire year at Double A, and I think like I think you see. Um, you see them both start 2025 in AAA, and then they're in the big leagues by at some point in 2025. I, so could, I, see, I, I could see Mayer if he shows that he's healthy, just because he's had time at AA already. He's a little further along. He's a little. He's been, already been there. I could see him getting uh, getting a cup of coffee by the end of the season to AAA. But uh, you know, that's also you could say the same thing with Anthony though, with him performing. You know, if he does what he did in high A and what he was doing in double A and he kind of just blows the door off. But I think that that's probably the I think that you have the realistic plan there, like the the more conservative one. And I don't I think that that's wise not to get anybody's hopes up. Yeah, I just think yeah, I think Teal Teal is in triple A. Like, I don't think Teal spends a lot of time in the minors in general. I think he's the he's the start. I think he's the opening day catcher in Boston in twenty twenty five. But I think that I think that the other guys. They're they're younger. I know that Meyer has obviously has more minor league experience than any of those guys, but they're also mm, well. I know Anthony's definitely the youngest, right? Meyer yeah. is maybe Meyer's 
maybe younger is still younger than teal like maybe like a year younger or yeah i think he's younger. still younger because i mean so, Teal was like a college guy so those guys are yeah. come out there like double so, players anyway when they get it by the time they're out of college yeah, yeah I, i'm gonna be fascinated to see uh because we saw last season how aggressive the red sox suddenly kind of got with promotions and stuff and i apologize that i i haven't listened i still haven't uh, had a chance to listen to your show with brian abraham uh tired but of your I, shit I, jake <laughs> i'm tired of your shit fine i'm sorry. sick of it I'm sick of it. I don't like it. <laughs> I will listen to it when I, I'm going to get off this. If you want me to leave now so I can listen to it, you just I would like be happy. Like it in the background. You imagine? No, I don't um, think Hogdale and Brady have listened to a single thing that I've done for the other show. So, like, it's no, I, I don't, I don't do. I, I'm not expecting anybody to listen to anything. I totally, okay. I seriously, no apology necessary. So I, so I don't know if Brian talked about this, but like the last year, the Red Sox were really aggressive with promotions in the minors, like more so than they had been. I mean, he, um, previously. Yeah, I mean, they, the, the the answer that you always get with that stuff is that it's it's kind of on like a case by case basis. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, um, but but like I still I still kind of feel like it was it was uh, last year was felt different especially considering the fact that anthony moved up like two levels during the course of the year so yeah they could be i'm gonna see if that we'll have to see if that continues and if and it's and if they are continuing to be aggressive i would i think like i said teal i could see him in fenway by like august just like maybe more it's sort of an emergency basis or if if um uh uh you know mcguire especially is like get if something happens he gets injured you never know what can happen with Reese McGuire. Like, let's be honest. So, yeah. um, so he's going to get into, you never know. I'm just throwing it out there. Oh uh, man, look at this savings. I'm getting, Oh no, old habits. <laughs> no stuff. So, Tractor so supply, that could be, you vixen. That could be the, that could be what gets Kyle Teal to the big leagues. Anyway, I'm going to stop. stop. I'm gonna so what you're saying is we have to send like, uh, we've got to send, him some really nice coupons. We gotta send him to, to Reese. Yes, you know, dude. I really wish that the, the Red Sox... <laughs> next question. Can we? No, just sorry. Go ahead, <laughs> dude. I wish the Red Sox were serious this year because then it would be on the board. Like if Anthony like was as special as like he might end up being. Like a Juan Soto situation happens where it's like he's ripping up Double A, and they're just like, eh, "Fuck it, he's ready," and they bring him up, and he just is ready. <laughs> But the Nationals but, only did that because they were a championship ready team and they needed to win now. But Hogdale, is there like a like a two percent chance, just a two percent chance that like they're gonna wake up tomorrow and be like, Oh, there's Montgomery and there's Turner. We could just we could be pretty good. Like, like it's still there, it's not over. Hold out the littlest, littlest shred of hope for no reason. Are you what are you out. are you hoping like that three spirits visit John Henry in the night? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> well, he's in his pajamas. Pablo Sandoval will be one of the one of no, the no. Yes. So that's the go, that's the go. Who would the three ghosts be? It would be like Sandoval's the ghost of past. Yes. Um, uh, present. Raffi like, Raffi Devers is the ghost of pre- of like uh, of Red Sox present, and then like friggin' like me, Roman Anthony is the ghost of yeah, Red Sox Roman, future, yeah. and Sandoval's just like remember when you gave me all of that money, and <laughs> John Henry John Henry jumps out the window. <laughs> We don't even get to talking cap. He's too traumatized. <laughs> he totally had. I I am bad. I just assume. Oh, we're, like holding the candle like, with the stocking cap and like oh yeah, yeah. see it. Like yeah, Michael no, hundred percent. He has like a yeah. single. He has like a dress robe that he sleeps yeah. in. Ebenezer Scrooge. Uh, <laughs> All right, so Brady, this question is for you. 
This is from our friend uh, Sean Palmer at Palmer Designs. Which player has the most to prove this season? Is it Duran? You guys tell me. And I said it like that because there were two exclamation points. That seemed like a two exclamation point level of excitement. Who has the most to prove? Mm, Don Duran doesn't feel like most to prove. <sighs> this is a cop-out answer. Nick Pavetta. <laughs> Guy's going to be a free agent. He's going to be a free agent at the end of the year. Did the did the tweaks that were made was that a fluke or is that did something real just get unlocked? Like so, if he does this for has a big baller season, that's a lot of money coming for him. That's a lot. You know, if I was going to put a name on the board for most to prove, and like it's he doesn't technically because he got paid already, but like Rafi's season last year was a disappointment. Like it really was. He took a gigantic step back defensively, and like he's he's the guy on this team. Like people talk about veteran leadership now. Rafi needs to be that guy. He needs to be the veteran leadership. He's been there forever. He's he's got to be one of the most longest tenured guys on this entire team. So like to me, like with his play and with his like locker room behavior, he needs to take a step forward. It is a little strange that Story is the guy that's taking over the leadership role. Cassis yeah. is stepping yes. into that. Rafi, you're not really hearing anything about what Rafi's up to. He's just vibing a little. Yeah, he's just, it's not odd. his. I don't know. I there's part of me that I don't. I don't know that I want like Rafi to try to be somebody he isn't. You know, like if he's if that's not his, that's not him. Um, it's like, I'll, it's weird to put him in this category. Like. Or maybe it's not, I guess. I don't know. Like, people didn't really, even though he was, like, such a great hitter and a great player, like, nobody was really, like, expecting Manny Ramirez to be one of the leaders on the team, you know? Like, he really, that was not him. <laughs> that was not his personality. That was more of David Ortiz's personality and and and, um, and Pedro and, and those guys. But Manny Ramirez was, like, like, you didn't want him to, you couldn't, you didn't want him to lead you anywhere. Like, that was not him. <laughs> So, and I'm not saying that I'm not saying Rafi is like Manny Ramirez. Like, I just think that that Rafi is much more of like, I'm going to try to lead by example. I'm going to be like, a, I'm going to, you know, I want to be there for the young guys and that kind of thing. And it, there was like, I remember like 2022 when Bogarts was like, you know, down in the dumps about the year and the season and stuff like that. Like, Rafi was always like trying to keep him up. He was like, let's go out. Like, let's do, like, let's hang out. Like, let's do whatever. Like, that's kind of more of his style. But I think, like, the question of, like, who is the, who has the most approved, like, you mentioned Story. And I just yeah. feel like that guy made, guy, like, I got, like, yeah, he got paid too. Like, he made a lot of money, but he hasn't lived up to it. And I think that Trevor Story has a lot of pride. Um, I think he's as, as aware of anybody about how, how, poorly his tenure in Boston has gone to this point between injury and just coming back, you know, from injury last year without, you know, having spring training and, and having time to really uh, fully get his swing back and how it just messed him up for the rest of the, the rest of the year. Um, I think he knows that people in Boston think it's a bad signing and a bust. And, um, you know, I think that like, obviously defensively, we've seen how good he can be last year. There were no issues. He was he was fantastic defensively last year when he came back, but he knows that he has a lot to prove at the plate. And, it, and to, so if he can, like, be like a 2020 guy, if he can get back to kind of being what he was um, in Colorado, then that's going to be huge for the, the Red Sox. But I think for him, um, he, has, he has to prove that he can be that guy again. Yeah, 100%. I mean, like, his defense has been phenomenal but at the end of the day you don't pay 22 million dollars a year for andrelton simmons <laughs> no no yeah. so hogdale this is a question for you from our good friend marty mcfly 
Oh shit. And it's a two-parter, okay? Um and you can choose whichever order you want to answer these. And the first is um is there a fit for a return of Ryan Brazier to the Red Sox? And two, what's the worst podcast you've ever been on? Okay, I am not answering. That is mean, and I will not fucking answer what is the worst podcast I've ever been on. I respect any colleague that has invited me onto their show. They had the good grace and courtesy to invite me on their show. I'm not going to shit on anyone. The fuck? What Except Ryan Brazier, because I know it's about to happen. What no, what That's pisses different. me off. What pisses me off is I should be outraged and screaming no, but Andrew Bailey is now our pitching coach. So now I'm okay with Ryan Brazier coming back because he actually like you saw Ryan Brazier what he was able to do like when the, he went to the Dodgers and they're like, "Hey, uh Ryan, yo brother, throw a cutter." And he's like, "Really? Throw a cutter? Are you sure that's going to work?" And they're like, "Yeah, dude, you should throw a cutter. We swear yeah. it's going to work." And then it worked and it was crazy. <laughs> And it's it really is that it's it, it it's the absurd method of success in the big leagues. It's how Corbin Burns became Corbin Burns. They looked at him and they're like, dude, why aren't you throwing a cutter? And he's like, really? And like, yeah, throw a cutter. It's like, oh damn, I'm one of the best pitchers in baseball now. So what I'm really suggesting is Brian Bayo should throw a cutter. <laughs> All right, Jake, this one's for you because we've had a few people asking. The, the, this is this is multiple people asking about this. Um. But I'm gonna say I'm gonna go with the red seat radio one for it. what's the favorite card in your collection with the, this is the card with the best yeah. story and also the most valuable. So am I can you guys hear me? I'm like yes, I feel like I'm okay. I, my my screen for okay, there we go. I'm back. Um all right. So the question was, and I had seen this question from, from Corbin before about um so the and by the way, I, I am just gonna plug I have uh, my YouTube channel, Waxback Wisdom. My wife and I started it. We talk about baseball cards, the cards we love. We I open old wax. We talk about uh, players from his from from history, baseball, basketball. Uh, we do football. We do all the kind of cool stuff. That's been uh, my a lot of my big focus this off season has been on that stuff. So anyway, um, you. we set you my, up for that. My favorite, um, my favorite card in my collection is one that was that was recently added. Um, that my wife actually bought for me as an early birthday present. It is also the most, it is also seriously the most valuable card that I have. And it is a 1941 uh, Ted Williams uh, card, a uh, play ball. Oh, wow. Um, and it is gorgeous. It's gorgeous color. It was the first year that they did like color cards. Like they had just done black and white before uh, this, this brand anyway. And it obviously it's from the year he hit 400 and it's just, I can't even, I can't even believe that I have it. It's an incredible card. Um, and then as far as like a story goes, I will just mention this. And uh, when I was a kid and I was uh, start first started to get into baseball, my dad worked with a woman that I didn't know this at I didn't know this like uh, at the time, like when I first started getting into baseball. But then like he her, her name is Liz and she, her uncle was Tom Seaver. So, oh, wow. Um, so like I actually this is a little bit separate, but like I have this like signed Tom Seaver picture that says like to your number one fan or to my number one fan or or something like something like I would like he was my number one fan or something. I'd have to read it. The signature's kind of faded over time now, which is kind of cool because Tom Seaver, like famously, I don't think signed a lot of autographs like and he's kind of known for being a little bit of a prickly guy. But but either way, good, tremendous competitor, obviously one of the best pictures ever. But um, so his so his niece worked with my dad. And she had all these old baseball cards and she had like a shoebox of cards. And she was like, and I was like eight or nine years old or whatever. And she was, I, we were like hanging out one day or whatever. And she, and she was like, 
here, you can just, you can, I know you love baseball and you love cards. You can have these cards, whatever. So I was like, wow, that's awesome. Thanks. So I open, so I get home and I open it up and th there's two cards in it that like a lot of them were just sort of random old cards from the seventies. But one of the cards in it was Ozzy Smith's rookie card from 1979. And the other was Mike Schmidt's second year card, which is his first year card was, a, was one of those tri rookie cards with three, three guys on it uh, from 1973. The 74 was his first solo card. So those were just in a box of shoe, a uh, shoe box of cards that was given to me by the niece of Tom Seaver. And those are, I just got those cards back from grading uh, recently. Um, so those, that's one of the cool stories around some of the cards from my collection. So, yeah. Love that. All right. So I'm going to give, going to give you another one, uh, Brady, and you can't answer Nick Pavetta for this one because he had a good <laughs> season. This is from Eric right. Joseph and it's which Red Sox player is poised for the biggest turnaround in 2024. Trevor story. I, I, I love, I love his head where, you know, where his head's at. He had a full off season. Now he's really motivated. Uh, yeah. I think it was all an issue about timing. I really, I really do. I look at him as a very prideful guy. I think he's in a really good spot. If he hits between my God, Devers and, and Cassis, if that's where, if that's his assignment, that would not be the, the world's uh, worst spot to hit, but I, I like him a lot for a bounce back here. I got a question for you, Brady. This is like this is, I, I got a question for you. History yeah, yeah, yeah. of the Red Sox. You you go back further than me with this. A little bit. Who's your biggest cob to Trevor story of guys that have been through like the team? He feels like he fits a lot like this guy. That doesn't mean it's gonna end up this way. Yeah. Edgar Renter Edgar Renteria. Um when, when I Edgar, certainly hope it ends better than right. <laughs> but like he came over, it didn't feel like like necessity per se at, at the time. Big name, um, but it never felt like a perfect, perfect fit. You know what I mean? Like, um, but you know the guy has the tools to succeed. Um, not not the same player by any means, but but looking yeah. at the situation, um, JD Drew reminds me of that too, like a technically sound player. Um, a guy that probably doesn't get near the credit that he actually deserves, signed a big money contract, and will probably never live up to that actual contract, but that doesn't mean he can't be a really good player. You know what's interesting about Renteria, and this just reminded me of this? He made the last out of the 2004 World Series, and then they – that's so and weird they, to me. Yeah. Like, And, I, and I, I've always wondered if that went into the decision to sign him at all. It probably didn't because that wouldn't make any goddamn sense. <laughs> I mean, he was it the is. best – he was the best. He was the best shortstop on the market that that offseason. I mean, like they you could just bring uh, back Orlando Cabrera. But that was the yeah. That's the. Th I wonder if you gave Theo the truth serum. If, if he was would, today, would he be like, "Yeah, we fucked up. We should have just we should have just resigned Cabrera." And then, yeah, they had to they had to eat his salary, uh, Renteria, to get rid of him after that after that year. Um, and then I think it was a, what Alex. Oh, well, they signed. Well, I think Alex Gonzalez was there the next year. That was and the beginning of that merry-go-round of shortstops before Xander, where it was like Julio Lugo. Yeah, and then the Lugo was Mark, so like yeah. uh, I think Marco Scudero wrote one point. Remember Nick Green was there one year? Green, I, mean, yeah. I have I think, just thinking. I feel like oh, maybe they'll bring back Nomar. Maybe they'll bring back Nomar. Maybe feel like, no, it never happened. It was I feel like Jed. I feel like Jed Lowry got got some yeah. shortstop. Oh, yeah. I, too, like, I will yeah. not stand for the Stephen Drew erasure. 
Excuse oh me? yeah, Stephen Drew was there too. Stephen Drew, that was the last one before. Uh, wow, but Stephen Drew Sandler was over to third for. A I'm gonna say Stephen Drew was so seminal to the Red Sox efforts that they pushed Xander Bogarts to third base. Yeah, <laughs> Stephen true. Drew, one of like the five guys to like be traded from the Red Sox to the Yankees. True. Yeah, him and yeah, Alex Verdugo can join that bank. Well. Kelly Johnson, that was the deal. Yep. Yeah. yeah, I love yeah. Kelly Johnson. God, he played on like every no team in the him here. I have no played on every team, I think. I don't really every ALE's team other than the Rays, I think. And I don't even know if he made the Rays too. Like he played for the Blue Jays. Uh he the was Corey Kluber of his time, really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I got one more. I got one more for you, Hogdale. And then we're oh, gonna boy. go ahead and pick a side. Okay. Yes. Who is Jake O'Donnell? Uh, just, just a sex God, you know, Adonis of a man, really one of the greatest dudes of all time, really. I mean, if you really to stack up all dudes in existence, he's in the top 10%. Like, let's be honest here. So that's, that's who, that's who Jake O'Donnell is. Wow. Getting so like you could, all of that literally applies to Hogdale first off. So, so it's like a, <laughs> like a reflection, like we've seen each other in the mirror. Like, um, I, I very much appreciate that, uh, Hogdale, that those words, those words from you go a very long way and mean quite a bit to me. So thank you. No, no problem, right, so brother. No problem. That's our mailbag for today. If uh, we didn't get to you, I, I apologize for that. Um, but we got to play pick a side at some point. And yeah, just keep on asking your questions and we'll do our best to answer all of them. But now um, we're going into uh, our, our weekly pick a side game uh hogdale wrote up the questions this week and he will be the judge jury and executioner because as was the case last week the loser dies <sighs> wow well it's been a pleasure guys um <laughs> oh, it's gonna be a, a, a grudge match a battle to the death between jake t o'donnell and ryan mf brady oh man wow i didn't I, you know brady and i have done battle before so i'm 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 excited for this you've done battle sure. before but you've never done battle like this we've, so never battled, <laughs> we've never battled to the death so this no, is the first no no first it's time. never been to the death uh yeah. it's also never been in this game i'll explain the rules if uh because this is going to be your first time playing maybe this is somebody's first time listening i don't know but i'm going to give you a binary question okay so there's really there, there are two possibilities like what's better pie or cake and one person will get to pick pie and the other person even if they think pie is better than cake they have to argue for the opposite they have to argue for cake okay so that's how this game works you get about a minute and then based on um i think hogdale's going to be judged today so based on your answer he's going to determine who wins the point it's a best three of five so whoever gets to three first wins make sense okay all right, so um, Hogdale, who who is the judge, he also normally I wrote these up, but I wanted to wanted to switch it up. Wanted to give Hogdale a chance to to show his uh, his his creative talents, so he wrote up uh, today's today's questions. Um, it's a mix of pop culture and uh, and Red Sox. So we're gonna start. Uh, we're gonna start with a pop culture one here, and Jake, because you're the guest, you get to pick first. Um, who is the better explorer? Indiana Jones or Dora? <laughs> okay. Um, so I'm I'm actually I'm gonna say I'm gonna say uh, I'm gonna say Dora, and and the reason why is because 
I think that it's very important for um for 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 uh, young girls to have role models to look up to. Um, even if they're even if the girls are the same age as them, like they need to be able to have that. So like so, in order to have uh, positive role models in life, you have to be able to see representations of them in 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 media and in society. And I think Dora. Um, which I've, I've I've never watched an episode of the show in my life. It was a bit after my time of my sort of child uh, uh, pr- children's programming. Um, I think that uh, she was a positive uh, female role model for for young girls that they can they can explore, they can see the they can see the world, they can discover new things, they can do these things, of, they can do all of the things that that boy explorers can do, um, and. And uh, you know that's that's why I, my Dora is my pick. Fuck fuck Harrison Ford. He's old. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Val, you know what? Valid. Bra- Brady. What is your rebuttal? Dora's not even the best explorer on like on her show. Like I mean, she's not the star <laughs> of her own show. Swiper no swipey will come by. He'll steal your shit. Like she can't even keep an eye on anything. <laughs> that backpack and math have gone missing more times than I care to count. Good sir. The truth really is, you know it, I know it. When we have Indiana Jones, we have three things. Nazis, we have aliens, and we have snakes. Oh, why did it have to be snakes? I mean, you have so many fantastic memories. You have monkey brains being eaten. You have hearts being ripped out of chest. I mean, the, the exploration just goes without saying. It, it knows no time, decades, uh, literally goes through many realms of life. Uh, Dora starred in her own right, but uh, my money's on Swiper every day of the week. So uh, $20, give me, I'll take the over on Swiper. Uh, so between the your two wonderful, wonderful answers, I'm, I'm really conflicted right now because, you know, Jake, when he was talking about like a positive role model for little girls, as a child who watched Dora, I am very confused genderly and sexually right now <laughs> like about what I really am. Because, you know, she was a role model to me as a young boy. And apparently I'm not, I, you know, I, I'm starting to ask some tough questions. But on the other hand, Brady, the, the fucking audacity to slander Dora, you know, like my icon, you know, the person that I respect more. Also, he brought up Nazis and Nazis in any context are bad. So Jake wins the point. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I misplayed it. Yeah. It's good job. All right. Jake. So we're going back to baseball now. We're going back to baseball. And it's going to be, you know, this is going to be, I I think this one's a little more in, uh, in Brady's wheelhouse here or in in Jake's wheelhouse here. So I'm going to go let uh, Brady pick it. Who reaches the big leagues quicker, Marcelo Meyer or Kyle Teal? Um, Known baseball connoisseur. JT O'Donnell, uh, who I respect a lot, um, already came up and publicly stated that Kyle Teal will absolutely make it first. So to hear Mr. <laughs> O'Donnell come on and say that he disagrees with himself would, I feel, <laughs> bastardize the entire process. Um, so we're right now, here's a check, mate. Like, here it is. I agree with Jake O'Donnell. Jake O'Donnell says, Mr. Teal. So I'm going to go ahead and say, without any question, all in, right? All in Kyle Teal. Thank you. Okay. Thanks, Jake. Well, rebuttal, Jake. I, I am, 
open to disagreeing with myself from time to time. <laughs> so the 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 uh, the, uh, the the real honest answer is actually Marcel Meyer, and I'm going to tell you why. Because Marcel Meyer is one of the top 20 prospects in baseball, and he and and we know what we know what he's capable of and what he can do. And he, um, we've seen him when he's healthy. We saw him in Greenville right, bef- uh, right before he got hurt. The series that he actually got hurt, he was putting up video game numbers. Um, and he uh, has an incredibly smooth swing. He makes makes great contact. He makes all the plays in the field. He plays the most valuable position in baseball well. And he is like I, the most talented guy in the system. And he's had a taste of double A. And even though he was hurt, he still played pretty. He still played well. He's not that far from the big leagues. So it could just, he could just turn it on like this. He's, he's entering, could be starting to enter his prime this year. And you want to take advantage of that. So if he starts to hit in double A, you could see him in the big leagues by the end of the year. So the answer is Marcelo Meyer. Jake doesn't believe it. He doesn't believe Ext- words, extremely so. respectable answer. Honestly, Jake, if I was going to advise you on what position to take in this scenario or how to approach this, I would have gone towards the supernatural. You know, if you would make an appeal, <laughs> if you would have made an appeal towards like my astral projection twin brother Wolfdale influence you earlier to spread lies, <laughs> automatically I think you would have won this one. But unfortunately, I think Brady has the better take. <laughs> so I Brady the Damn it. All right. I gotta start thinking like Hogdale. This is the this is the problem. Like, this is how I'm gonna win this. That's or no, Wolf it's Dale. a learning curve. You have to. You're not. Your target audience isn't reality. It's whoever the hell is judging you on it. Yep. Okay, I'm All getting right. getting the hang of it. I think. All right, so we're tied. Uh, we're tied at one one. All right. Um, oh, this is. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a. Uh, I'm going to give you a similar one here. It's another Red Sox one. Uh, Jake, who would you rather see on the Boston Red Sox? Ryan Brazier or Matt Barnes? This is a return in 2024. I think that the... (laughs) I think that the obvious answer is Ryan Brazier. (laughs) And the reason why is because, first off, he did pitch very well with the Dodgers if he keeps learning that cutter. Um if he keeps if he keeps throwing that cutter, he should be fine. He was the Dodgers fixed him. He's been fixed. He's fine. Um, Matt Barnes, you know, Ryan Brady's going to have to defend Matt Barnes. So uh, <laughs> you know that's 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 the reason why I I uh, I I think that Ryan Brazier would be is who I would rather see. Masterful. All right, Brady. Why should Brady, why, why is Matt defend. Barnes the better person to come back to the Red Sox? Um. Okay. I mean, ooh, all right. It's easy, right? I mean, there's not a fucking way he's coming back on my goddamn baseball team. <laughs> Fuck that piece of shit. I don't want him getting near the mound for what? He couldn't do a fucking thing, an opener, a closer. He can't do anything. Let him try fucking center field. He'd probably suck at that too. Give Jake the point. Go fuck that guy. I don't want him anywhere near my team. He sucks. <laughs> He just anywhere he goes, he went to Miami, he sucks there. Wherever he goes, he's gonna suck. You know, his wife is so he's a shitty husband, he's a shitty neighbor. His dog goes across the street, shits on their fucking yard. You know it, I know it. His mail just falls out of his mailbox. He doesn't do a goddamn thing about it. He's a bad tipper. Everyone knows he takes Uber. His star ratings are fucking awful. He's a bad person. Halloween at Halloween, he turns off his lights, he doesn't leave anything out for the kids. It's just he's just not a good dude at oh all. God. There's no way he's getting on my fucking baseball team. The truth really is, 
just get him the fuck out of the league. It would be a lot better because he sucks. Honestly, he's a piece of shit. I'm just not a big Matt Barnes guy. Oh, not God, your verdict. Yeah, J- uh, Jake wins because Brady conceded the point, but I respect <laughs> him so much for sticking to his conviction. That was, yeah, I, I appreciate that. Yeah. Oh, God, well, it's funny. Wow. Fuck him. <laughs> he's a bad tipper. <laughs> he's, he's, <laughs> the, 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 his mail falls out of the mailbox. It does, he doesn't, it doesn't care. pick it up. Like, doesn't care. That's nope, amazing. Not, yep. That's who he is. All right. All right. So now Jake takes the lead 2 1. He can clinch with this one here. What, Brady, you get to pick though. Okay. What is the better Steven Spielberg movie, Jaws or E.T.? Jaws. All right. Jaws is definitely the better. E.T. is a great movie. I'm not going to slander. I'm not going to say a negative thing. But Jaws, you leave changed, right? Like you watch that movie and you go out in the ocean. You are not fucking comfortable. <laughs> I go outside and look at the stars. I'm, I'm not petrified. I'm, I'm not necessarily dreaming of E.T. coming. But you watch Jaws. You don't want to be in a boat. You don't want to be in a pool. You don't want to be fucking anywhere because he, it's like he's like the Freddy Krueger of, of like, like a supernatural kind of movie. Like he can get you anywhere. Rules don't apply to anything that the shark just keeps coming back. You electrical, we fuck comes back. You shoot him, he comes back. You nuke bomb me, you don't give a shit. Like, he just keeps coming and coming. You are you're an altered person after watching Jaws. Jake, huh? okay. Rebuttal. So I love Jaws. I love both of these movies. I I think Jaws is like a you know pretty consistent summer watch in my house. We always we always put it on. Um, but the answer the the question was what's the better Spielberg movie? And to me, I think E.T more captures kind of what Steven Spielberg as a filmmaker is about. I think it with Jaws, he was still figuring a lot of stuff out. And, turn, and if you go back and read stories about the production of Jaws, it was very fraught. There was a lot of issues and um, a lot of, a lot of uh, uh, Robert, Robert Shaw giving, being drunk and giving people a hard, a hard time on set the entire time, which doesn't really shock me considering awesome. who Robert Shaw was. Um, but E.T., is much more of Steven Spielberg tapping into that sort of like the ch- uh, the childlike wonder of the wonder of the world of and, and what's outside the world and what's the possibilities of what's out there and this 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 extraterrestrial being comes into your world and and turns everything upside down and everybody want the government's coming after the keys the guy with the keys is wants your wants is trying to figure out what what, what you've got and how can I protect this this uh, this person and this, this, this individual that has showing me as a, as a child, like I've like, I think most of us see you first see ET when you're a kid, because it is more or less a kid's movie, but um, you learn about uh, other worlds. You learn about other, other people. It's sort of a metaphor for there's all of this other stuff out there. And, um, and, and how do you, how do you take it in? How do you learn? How do you protect it? You say, you said Brady that you, you watch jaws and you're changed. How can you not feel changed when you watch ET and you get to that last scene and he taps taps Elliot and says, "I'll be right here," and then gets on the ship and leaves? How can you not be changed from that? Um, the answer is ET. What if you're allergic to peanut butter? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? They get eat. They get eaten by sharks in Jaws, dude. What are you talking about being allergic? What if you're allergic to? Do you know how insensitive to- that is to kids that are peanut butter intolerant? <laughs> I mean, oh, the Reese's yeah. pieces. I mean, I just, I don't know. I guess I'm just sensitive like that. I just so, yeah, worry so, about the happiness of children. So, Jake, I would say, like, really beautiful defense, I would say. 
you know, I really think he did a really good job with that one. Unfortunately, I never watched ET because he looks <laughs> like he looks like an aborted hippopotamus fetus. So I'm gonna have to give the point to Ryan Brady. God damn it! You're missing out, oh, Long man. man. That's that's fine. I accept it. What a description! What a description! <laughs> All right. Whoa. We're tied two two. Wow. In the event Holy. of a tiebreaker. Jesus Christ. Hogdale actually gets to a side who gets to defend what? You guys don't okay. get to pick. All right. Okay. So the I was final actually... question is, who yeah. wins in a death match? Ted from the movie Ted versus <laughs> Winnie the Pooh. Okay. Uh, Jake, I will give you the side of Ted. Brady, I will give you the side of Winnie the Pooh. Thank you. I mean, isn't it obvious? Like Ted is like he's like from like Southie or whatever, or he's like or, or wherever the fuck they're from. Like I've 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 never seen any of those movies. I'm not I'm not a uh, a Seth MacFarlane guy, but like, but he's like a he's a foul mouthed bear. He will probably cut you. He will like Winnie. Give me the break on Winnie the Pooh. Like literally, like he's just it's like the definition of soft. Like Pooh, <laughs> he's just soft. So. Uh, I give me Ted 10 times out of 10. Ted has definitely uh, beaten somebody over the head with a bottle at stats or, or has been, or has, uh, you know, is, is, is outside at like West end Johnny's or something getting into fights with people after Celtics games, like in a death match with Winnie the Pooh, give me the break. What's Winnie the Pooh do? Going to call an Eeyore to, to, to give him backup. Give me a fucking break. It's going to be <laughs> Ted all the way. Man. You don't know nothing about no Winnie the Pooh. All right. Winnie the Pooh. All right. First off, you made reference to it, but you really shouldn't have. Right. Like, you think Winnie the Pooh fights solo. Like, I think that's cute. You don't think Tigger, Roo, right? The the beaver, right? You know, like <laughs> they're, Piglet, they're all coming, right? They're all coming. Like, it's, they're just all coming. They're all coming. And you think right now, I'm going to say it right now, I know, Jake, I know for a fact you never had honey thrown in your eyes. Never. That shit <laughs> burns. You throw an eyes, it burns. Winnie Dapu is always ready to throw down. He throws the hot honey in your eyes. It sizzles, and he just comes bear shots. Boom, 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 right to your fucking face. Winnie Dapu also works for Disney. There's The financial resources are limitless. He, there's, like, he has been trained in every martial arts you would know about. Ted, Ted already died on film. We've already seen that, right? He is Spoilers. Nothing. Spoiler. Right. Yeah, Oops, sorry. Yeah, I didn't mean to let that one leak from 22 years ago, right? But the truth <laughs> is, Ted is already on the wrong side of it. Now we have to you know, put him in syndication. Now like, he's already on the wrong side of it. Winnie the Pooh is now coming out with a horror movie. I mean, he is growing in epic stance proportions. Winnie the Pooh will fuck your shit up and his crew, uh, 100 Acre Woods, coming to, come to get you a motherfucking ass. Let's go, Pooh. I like God. that Winnie the Pooh wow. fights like like a boxer. Like he's not a yeah. bear. He's not going to maul you or anything. He's just going to like punch punch the shit out of you. Yeah. Here's the punch thing. Him. Brady's response very entertaining. Unfortunately, he lost me. <laughs> he he lost me because he forgot to like bring up the most pressing fact from the Winnie the Pooh lore is that Winnie the Pooh stays strapped. The brother has a double barrel shotgun in his fucking bed. He does. <laughs> This is in the war. You can look it up. There's videos of Winnie the Pooh with a fucking shotgun when he's going to check to see what's bumping in the night. Ted is what's bumping in the night, and he's getting blown away. Jake wins. Yes! I beat Brady in an argument again. I love it. 
Whoa, 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 Mr. O'Donnell. Hold on. I'll, 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 I'll concede right now, but you were the one that said there is no way Cora stays and Bloom goes. So we'll take that as a tie, good sir. I'm really sure I said that, but that, but okay, that was that was what I surmised. That was my, I, I'm I'm smart enough on these podcasts not to speak in absolutes. <laughs> Only sis will deal with that. Uh, I need to see wow. uh, photographic evidence, Hogdale, good sir. About no, it's true. One second, I'm not I'm not Strap. making this up. Oh my god! <laughs> Wait, but you're trying to say that there's no scenes with Ted strapped at all? Nothing. Here, I will put this in the Twitter chat right now. You know he's got a switchblade. You know it. I know it. <laughs> I don't think it's beat. It's not beating the glicky, brother. It just ain't. <laughs> oh my god. Here, I put it in the pod by the river fucking thing. It's literally, this is straight from an episode of Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? How come they, I didn't God damn it, they censored it. <laughs> How is this a real thing? I'm not in this chat, so I can Hang on, hang it. on. I'll put, it, uh, I'll put it here in the comp. Oh, yeah. He, there, it is. there you go. There you go. There you go. I see it. <laughs> Dude, he's so right. strapped. He's <laughs> How did you just know that off the top of your head? Because I saw that in the meme today, and it made me laugh. Oh, it's just, just today, too. Wow. So I just, <laughs> by the meat, by the, the whim of, of Hogdale seeing that on the internet, I... Wait. I, wait. I <laughs> <laughs> the plot thickens. Ted with also a shotgun. Ted with a shotgun. So if I'm losing due to something being majorly left out... You've already lost, Brady. It's over. Like, no, the thing is, is in that scene, though, is he doesn't know how to use the gun. He fires it. He goes flying away. That's what happened. Yeah. Winnie the Pooh is a you know organized you know crime member. He knows what he's doing with that thing. He's taking it out on the reg, using it. Ted's an amateur, inexperienced. My God. Although Ted can survive being like blown to pieces and it's thrown true. off the green monster, he doesn't so, die. Yeah, Ted. Ted's pretty unkillable. Yeah. That's that's that, that's. These are these are the arguments that are going to to keep me awake after this. <laughs> but Jake, you, you pulled it off. You pulled off the W. One and O. One and O on on, on uh, uh, pick a side. Let's but you go. know, you know what, Brady? Though, what's that, pal? The the, ch the chamber of fire uh, that you were going to be thrown into. Uh, there's actually uh, a short circuit in it. It's not working. Uh, so oh, um, your life out. is spared. Okay, great. Live another day. Fantastic. Thank you. So that's our episode for this week. Nobody died. Jake won, but nobody died. And yeah. we'll be back. We'll Another be back week. next week. Hopefully something will, will finally happen. I'm like checking MLB rumors now. If maybe while we were recording something happened, but nothing happened. Uh, yeah, we'll be. Uh, thanks for joining us. Jake, where can people find you if they want to, they want to follow? follow you uh, online they want to they want to see your youtube channel so yeah on, so, so yeah so like again you can read my takes on anything besides the red sox at the moment at uh at jake t o'donnell on twitter um i've also occasionally when i have an idea and when i want to write something i write for beyond the monster um uh, the Pesky report is uh, has been a bit quiet this offseason, at least for the the minor league show. But once the minor league season gets going, um, and I'm sure once the pitchers and catchers report, myself, Hunter Knoll, Derek McGuire, aka Meatball, we will yeah. all be back together uh, on a weekly basis covering all of the happenings of the Red Sox minor league system. 
And then as I, I plugged before, uh, my wife and I have a YouTube channel called Waxback Wisdom. Uh, please check that out and subscribe uh, where we talk about baseball cards and baseball history and uh, all of that fun stuff. So, uh, yeah, no, this was an absolute pleasure. It's always, it's always great to talk to you guys, and it's great to uh, uh, great to uh, be together with my uh, former Pesky Report colleagues uh, uh, anytime. So thanks very much, Ed. Sure, I'm sure there will be a rematch. I think that there uh, better be. I think that there needs to be a rematch once we're in the actual season. But until <laughs> then, we'll see you guys next time.